0: Well, when I, um, just, 30, oh, 40 minutes, heck, never mind. I needed to tell you something. It's about 10 to 2 this morning and I couldn't sleep, so I got up, went downstairs, and I thought, well, you know, I'm speaking uh, tonight, so I'll start having a look at um, what I might want to talk about. So I thought, well, first I'll look at Twitter. And as I was going through, I had some various things, so I pressed on a on a site. And uh, it was a a blog about um, should women be allowed to speak in churches and should they lead? That was really exciting. And about two hours later, I was out my head because you you realise just how much of a contentious situation this is. And there's people in denominations all over the world who have a real issue with it. Now, I later found out there's, a, there's over 30,000 Christian denominations in the world. Did you know that? I was just staggered. It's very scary. Because when you think about it, each denomination, and that includes us, um, you know, we, we have an identity that we like. We like the sound and we like who we are. And we make that sound and people resonate with that sound. So they come and join us. But similarly, there's you know, other places all over the world that have a different sound. Um, and yet, there can be such upset over different beliefs. And it, you just think to yourself, heck, isn't that terrible? And so I thought, well, should I tackle how really we get all upset about stuff that's so unimportant? I mean, I thought to myself on this business of, um, you know, about women. Uh, doing things in church who was the first person who evangelised about the resurrected Christ come on who was it a woman I think that evidence enough come on who's with me because Jesus didn't find a guy he found a woman and she went off into the town, got all the lads together. And, and what did she do? She proclaimed the gospel. And then we told we're not allowed for crying out loud. Anyway, I digress. I am not speaking about this at all. But anyway, just to tell you that by the time that I went back to bed at five o'clock, I'm thinking, crying out loud, I'm supposed to be speaking tonight and I haven't a clue. I'm supposed to be speaking about, let alone whether I'm allowed or not. Anyway, you've got me. You've got me. I really want to talk about a couple of things. We try to be very um, practical, I believe, in this house. We're trying to focus on, like Anth was saying, about things that are required for us to bring the kingdom of God into this world, and we try to do that in this house. And uh, I really felt that I needed to talk about a couple of things that matter to us all. One is injustice, and the other one is how injustice is actually dealt with, and it's a word called empathy. Now, uh, I'll do my best to to cover it quickly, we haven't got much time, but I do think if you're willing to open your heart, because I do think sometimes it's at this point in the the evening that people switch off, or they go out to have a fag, or... When actually, although this might be 20 minutes of listening and and nowadays we can hardly sit for five minutes at a table and eat a a dinner, you know what I'm saying? We're always on the go. Sometimes we need to just listen because there might be something that will absolutely revolutionise your life. And, you know, I hope this does because we're talking about things that touch us all. So this is an honest reflection of some of the things that have been going on in in my heart lately, I mean, I would say this last 15 years has been the worst 15 years of my entire life. Um, I felt many injustices done to me. I also know that I have been unjust to others. So it, it's something that's not just about what's done to me, but it's how we, things happen it just does, doesn't it? And the, the things, things happen whether we, we, we like it or not, intentionally or not. Unjust things seem to happen for all sorts of reasons. And um, when you're on the receiving end of injustice, it's very hard. Come on. Is it? Yes, thank you. And we all want to feel that there is somebody out there who cares that that injustice has been done to us. Now, I don't care whether it's, um, you know, it's uh, 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 what we would term a serious thing or a not so serious thing, because that's where it all gets a bit messy, isn't it? If it's not so serious, you don't get so much care and attention. If it's serious, whoa, everybody comes out the woodwork. When all said and done, and, and I'll probably get to this at the end, but I'm getting to it now, what we all have in common is we feel pain. <laughs> pain. You go to the dentist, you have a tooth out, it hurts. And that's pain. And it doesn't matter whether we look at it as what might be more of a triviality that caused me pain or something that was a bit more serious. Pain is pain. And it's the thing that we all have in common. And yet the thing that we struggle to do is actually give the same amount of empathy to each other. Because we selective, we say, well, I'll give empathy to this this deserves it, but this, oh, I love it when people saw, well, it was your own fault. I'm not giving you any empathy because you brought that on yourself. Maybe we did. Come on, but that doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't care for one another. Pain is pain. And I remember one, a long time ago, being in a situation where somebody had lost a child and I I have no idea what that feels like. It's never ever happened to me. But um, something else was going on at the same time uh, with another person. And all I can say of the situation is there was a depression in both camps. But the one who'd lost the child was cross because the other person was depressed. But what had happened to them wasn't nearly as serious as the loss of the child. And I had to say, come on, this is where it's, where it's all getting out of hand, because when a person hurts, it hurts. Now, can we just listen to that for a minute? When it hurts, it hurts. And as a people of God who want to be manifestation of God in the earth, it's important that we empathise. Now, it's, it's a funny word, empathy, because actually emp- we can only empathise really when we have really experienced the same thing that the person who is suffering is going through. Now, sympathy is when you can have a feeling about the situation, but you don't actually know how it feels because you've never experienced it. Do you see the difference with, with the two? So empathy is, is very hard for us. If I've never experienced, and I'm sorry to use the, the, the same illustration, but I, I, you know, I don't want to keep hypotheticalizing, but if I've never lost a child, how do I really empathise with that person? How, how can I? I can be sympathetic, but I can never really empathise. And it's taught me a lot because I know that I want people to feel and to understand where my heart is I don't want to have a conversation with somebody that when you walk away you think they didn't care one little bit about what I was going through that's that's horrible isn't it now when we get to the whole issue of of God what is fantastic about him is he absolutely empathizes with all of us not sympathizes He empathises. And that's because actually, and and I'll tell you to the scripture in Hebrews where it says, because in all things he was tempted like we are, he can be touched. Touched. Have you ever felt, even watching something on the TV where you, you, you get a lump in your throat because you're touched, tell you an experience I had just a few few months ago it was the story of the families who had, um, had children taken away from them by the social services because they had it had been sort of proved oh, this is a difficult bit that the children had been abused. They had things like fractures in their wrists and their legs and, and, and things like that. So it had been, uh, after lots of tests and lots of things, the children were taken off, off them. And not only were they put into care, but they were then put up for adoption. And you're, you know, when it, adoption is such a serious law that once a child is adopted, it cannot be reversed. And the parents can only have one letter a year until they're 16 and cannot see that child again until they're 16. And that child then must request to have connection. But what was the awful thing was they realised that the children hadn't been abused. They had vitamin D deficiency. Oh, and I wonder why. Because we're not letting our kids go out in the sun anymore. Now, I know there can be mistakes and we've got air to err on the side of safety, but what I'm trying to say, feel. Imagine that mother. Imagine. Can, I just, can you get, can you feel it? Feel. Horrendous. And this is what the Bible means when it says that he is touched. His heart absolutely aches for the pain that you're going through. Absolutely aches for you. And the word that is used in the, the, uh, the Bible, empathy actually isn't in the Bible at all, but the nearest word to it is compassion or tender-heartedness. Oh, aren't they lovely words? I want us all to be tender-hearted towards each other. Don't you? Don't you think it would be a good idea? Because you know what? When you have a tender heart towards somebody, the person who is hurting is less likely to look for justice within the injustice because compassion dilutes that need. Because they feel somebody is feeling it with them and takes them on a journey to healing. Don't you you think that's just amazing? Well, I've left all my notes, but never mind. I'll, I'll, I'll just try and pick up where I am. I hope that the point's been made already. I've only got a few minutes left anyway. So, I've had two situations this week where... And actually, no, I haven't. I've had four. Two tonight when I walked in. I'm not trying to in any way say that I'm the queen of empathy or anything like that. But I have had opportunities. And you know... In all these situations, we could say, well, do I have all the information? Do I really get what's going on? But there was a couple of situations where uh, 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 some friends were telling us about a breakdown in their relationship, uh, in their family, and how much it was, was hurting their heart and how much they wanted to put it right and fix it, but somehow it was out of their control and they couldn't. And, I'm, and the heart, I'm thinking, oh... They at least need to know that I, I get it. I know what it's like to have people estranged from me and I want, I want to be back in relationship, but they don't want me back in, in relationship. And doesn't that hurt? And the other situation was, and uh, uh, Dave, I've asked Dave's permission, but he was telling me about something that had happened in his, in his business where something had happened where it was very much a betrayal and somebody he trusted had had then sort of uh, walked right over things and and basically taken advantage of them and I could say well uh, might be your own fault you know (laughs) what have you done wrong or whatever no it hurts you because you don't want that sense of experience to be going on it's really horrible and so here's my point I was asking do I have all the information about things your stories in your life the answer is no I don't is the story that you have of what has happened is it hurtful and unfair to you did you hear what I said to you and if the answer to that is yes then the question to me is should I then find empathy for your situation and I believe the answer to that is yes so do we care how situations are affecting people I think the idea that empathy is when we're willing to walk a mile in somebody's shoes that always brings us to a point where we feel things more isn't it so there's a word splag Schniz, no my and you better spell it right or you're in trouble I'm going to ask you that on Wednesday night splag schniz, no my I know of this word because I read a wonderful book called The Relentless Tenderness of Jesus by a guy called Brennan Manning and he uses this word and what it is is, is a heart that is so tender towards you that his heart breaks every time you're going through something. And that's that word. Should we just call it splag? Might be a good idea. The relentless tenderness of Jesus or compassion. Now, there's a wonderful verse in Hebrews, and I said I would mention it. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, where we can find mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Now, I've already told you what the difference between empathy and sympathy is. Empathy is when you have shared the experience. Sympathy is when you might have a a sense of that's sad, but you actually have never shared the experience. And what is awesome about that is that, as I've said, God has experienced everything that can be experienced so he knows exactly how you feel. And I think that's very, very comforting. Isn't that comforting? It is to me. It's very comforting. So let's look at, I love this this verse, in Psalm 56, verse 8, it says this and it's in the uh, ASV actually I've pinched it from because I just liked how it said. It says, you number my wanderings and you put my tears into your bottle. Oh, isn't that lovely? He must have a jolly big bottle. Do you not think? I mean, how many tears have you cried even this week? over stuff that's hurting you and injustices says he puts your tears into his bottle how lovely of course there's the scripture in Matthew that says when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion why because he saw they were so weary he saw they were struggling with all sorts of stuff and he was moved with compassion now in Luke 7, there's a wonderful example of somebody who doesn't have any empathy and I'll just read it to you very quickly. It says, now one of the Pharisees, now this was some, somebody who was supposed to know the love of God, know God, right? Call it the, 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 the church people of the day. Invited Jesus to have dinner with him so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, "If, if this man, Jesus, was a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Do you, do you feel any empathy there? Oh, no empathy at all. But you see, I love this because this is where Jesus comes in with his, his compassion. He basically just said, Simon, I've something to tell you. I love that. Simon, I've something to tell you. Now in a little bit, I'll get, is that all right? I'll get there in a minute what it was gonna tell him, but he wasn't, hey, hang on a minute. Something's just happened. Oh. Oh, there we are. I just jumped. I'm not very good at technical stuff either. Oh, dear. Anyway, I have something to tell you. See, there was no deep personal connection between Simon and that woman. He didn't want to put himself in her shoes to feel her life, to feel her story, to feel her pain. All he was concerned about, that if Jesus was surely a prophet, he'd know. The truth is he did know. And he was very glad for her to be at his feet because he was, he was ready to pour his compassion upon her. See, I believe here Jesus was being salt and light, and we're going to come back to that in a little bit. Now, as I've said, it's vital for us as the church, as God's manifestation on earth, uh, to empathise. Now, I, like I've just said, it's not easy to empathise with something that we've never experienced. However... If we understand the compassion of God on our own lives, did you hear that? On our own lives, it's from that pool of tenderness towards me that God gives to me that I can find that for others. It's the, it's the only way. Or otherwise, I'll say I can have uh, empathy for those who I've had similar experiences like but anybody else I haven't, then how can I feel anything? So we've got to look at that. Now, I wasn't taught empathy at all. Now, you might say, well, that's really weird uh, because you were brought up in church. My my, my mother and father were ministers. But if anything, I was, because I was brought up in a heavenly mistake-free zone and where correction and control is the dominant, then you don't really learn empathy because really you learn empathy by looking at somebody who's made a mistake, recognising the pain that it creates and saying, oh, come on, we're all right. I've been there. I've made mistakes before. We can get up and we can get cracking and we're going to make it work the next time. That's how empathy comes because we're willing to, to, to not just be looking to eradicate mistakes all of the time. And you see, I had to learn it and... I recognised quite a few years ago that if there was any major issue with me was I'd learnt to almost zone out feelings at all. You just zone them out. If you don't have feelings, you're, you're as hard as a rock. You can do anything. You can be in any situation and keep going. You can have flu, you can be a mess. You just keep going because you don't feel, you know. But ultimately, it stops you having any care for anybody else because you have no feelings for how you are, you have no feelings for any, anyone else and you know I was thinking the best place to, to start with empathy is with your children, I mean it's, what, it's amazing to watch Riley wherever he goes, as soon as he sees any children at all even especially when they're feeling a bit sad like at nursery if they've been dropped off with their mums and they're crying immediately he goes and it's like it's his job to make this person feel better now why is that he's three years old why is that because when he has felt sad we have felt sad for him we've encouraged him that it's okay that it's Get up and we're going to try again. You're not in trouble. Isn't that lovely? And so we have empathetic children, not pathetic children, empathetic children because their feelings matter. So the feelings of others matter to them. So our desire for justice comes when we are deprived the empathy that we need from each other. And when we don't receive it from one another, we are tempted to believe that God doesn't care about my feelings just as much as people don't care about my feelings. So let's not be selective with our empathy either. Let's not show it to some um, or show it to some and not to others. Okay, how do we develop empathy then? Well, like I said at the beginning, we all have pain in common. And what I'd like you to do in situations where you're with anybody and they're telling you their story and actually some well we're living in a day and age where people don't want to be open because they don't want their life to be judged they don't want to tell their story in case they face a wall of judgment and so we have to in that moment say okay What is the worst pain that I've ever felt? Can I stand in that in this minute and actually experience it with them? Might not be the same issue, might be something totally different, but like I said, the pain is the same. So there is no worse, there's no less, pain is pain. So I just wanna look at some scriptures before we quickly finish. It tells us that we should have compassion for one another this is 1 Peter 3, verse 8. Lovers, brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil, but on the contrary, blessing. Know that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. You know, when we are suffering injustices, the hardest thing to do is to bless back. Somebody's accusing you of something that you haven't done to actually smile and uh, feel okay about it and bless them. It's hard, isn't it? Come on, we're humans, isn't that the truth? It's always hard. But where that compassion, like I said before, comes from is when we understand that the, the tenderness that Jesus uh, puts upon us and the way he looks at us is how we then, he feels me, he feels my pain so I can feel the, the pain uh, of others. Romans 12:15: Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Wow. Weep with those who weep. I, I want to be more and um, um, can hardly say it. 1 John 3:17. Don't put it up because I've actually taken this from a translation. I don't know which it is. I like this one, you see. Don't overlook opportunities to relieve others' pain. You know, we often think of pain being just physical, but, you know, the frustrations of not being believed or the frustrations of being misunderstood, you know, things that, you know, you're really struggling with. They're just awful. What are we doing to try and relieve that sort of pain in each other. Because we could attach that to the verse uh, of scripture that says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Because you have love for one another. Now that sounds so, for me, very throwaway line. You have love for one another. But when it gets down to the point that that love is an empathetic love, it means you're actually feeling. And when you feel, people feel it. They're going to feel it. It's like, it's like a glow that's, that's coming off. So, how can I help you in the situation you're in? Can we listen without judging? And can we listen in order to find empathy? Hang on, something's gone wrong again. There we go. Um, Colossians 3.15 says this, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, put on, I love that, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Oh, patience. Patience. I love the fact that God is patient with me. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Put it on. It's a choice. Are we suffering when another member suffers or can we quite manage as long as it doesn't affect me see if it's affecting you it should be affecting me so to finish we could have said a lot more but I just want to bring it to a close now in Isaiah 1.18 it says this come now let us reason together I love that this is what God says come and let us have a chat It's uh, a bit funny when you put it into that sort of personal, casual sounding thing. You know, come now, let us reason together. Sounds very, But when you say, come on, let's get together and have a Starbucks and have a chat. Um, I like to think of God inviting me to have a chat. And he hasn't got a preconceived idea of how the conversation's going to go. Now, some of you struggle with that because you say, oh, he's God. He knows what he wants. He knows I... No, he comes to the table and he has not got a preconceived idea how this is going to go. And I think that's wonderful because, you see, he empathises with where I am and he knows I might have to make a journey. And if I have to make a journey, he he might have to be patient. (gasps) God, patient? Yes! Because love is. See? So he allows me to debate. He allows me to discuss. He allows me to consider my options and talk it out. And I get to see his take on the matter, but he doesn't dominate whether I'm going to do it or not. He says, no, come on, I'm going to give you space without judgment and time to choose my direction. See, it takes two to reason. It's It's not a reasoning situation if only one person's doing the talking, is it? And God says, come on, I want to reason with you. And, and what we say in that situation, I welcome you to shed light on my situation and help me figure out the best way to deal with this stuff. Isn't that awesome? See, we will not be afraid to share what's going on in, in, on in our lives if we will be met with empathy and compassion. So there's many situations where I can listen to somebody sharing a situation about their life And I had a situation the other week and it was amazing because this person was really concerned about a particular thing in their life. And I just could not get my head around it at all. Upbringing, culture, it just did not have any logic to this situation. And at one time I would have probably said, oh, for crying out loud, that's ridiculous. What on earth are you talking about? This is stupid. But you see, I don't do that anymore because I'm thinking to them and their culture and the way they've been wired, this makes absolute sense. And so the best thing to do is say, do you know, if I see it from your point of view, I can actually put my arm around and say, this is, this is sad, this is awful, this must feel terrible for you. Did it really feel terrible for me? I didn't understand it. But I could say, this must feel horrible for you. I hope this is making sense. So, anyway, where am I? Because it's jump right back. I'm not doing this anymore. Not with this thing. I think we'll go back to paper. Can I go back to paper? Please. <laughs> so, where are we? Nearly at the bottom, aren't I? Nearly finished. So, oh, there we go. Right. I said we were going to come back to the story when, uh, when um, Jesus said to Simon, I've got something to say to you. You know, when over the situation, over the woman who was um, putting perfume uh, on his feet. You see, there's a question about this. Is it our responsibility to shed light on matters of injustice? It's a, it's a tough one, that, isn't it? Whoa! See, I was thinking, the, you know, as, as I was studying today, if I overheard a conversation and somebody was saying that my friend, who I know very well, was a thief and I know that they're not a thief wouldn't it be the right thing to do to say do you know what I I don't know where you've got that information from but can we talk about where it might have come from because to my mind this is just totally not true and I want to shed light on that now you might have a perception that needs to be dealt with but in, in my head This is absolutely untrue, and I don't want you saying things like that because it's very unjust and, and, and unfair. Now, we are meant to be salt and light. Now, you see, light exposes what is done in darkness. Salt purifies and it cleanses. Light exposes what is done in darkness. And this is where we come back to Luke 7, you see. I believe Jesus was being salt and light when he said, Simon, I have something to tell you. He didn't say to him, this is what you are doing wrong, but he gave him a parable and he spoke to him of a story which shed the light on him to expose the fact that he had no feeling of compassion for this woman. And so he was willing to say, look, I'm going to help you. I'm going to reason with you in order that you might come to light and come to truth and have a different attitude. So if you're gonna be salt and you're gonna be light, don't do it in a mean-spirited way because being light and salt has got to be done in love. It says, speak the truth in love, not in a mean-spirited way. And there's a lot of mean people, aren't there, in the world who just wanna be mean. Means. To be mean is a horrible thing when people just want to hurt. And before the meeting started, I was chatting with somebody who was concerned that this person in their life just wants to be mean all the time. And it's just so sad, isn't it, when that's the sort of thing that we're dealing with. So let me just finish with this. We talked in about Hebrews 4.15 where it says about the fact. Let me just go back to it because I didn't redo it. It says this for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin and this is where I want to finish let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy now mercy is a wonderful thing you think it's just mercy okay I'll let you go I'll let you go free the actual word is to frap frap great word and it's actually a word that's used in the construction of a vessel of a boat and what it means is the tie uh, put girders or um, ropes around it so that it cannot come apart in a storm it's it's called frapping tying it round tightly so it doesn't come apart now this word that we may obtain mercy means to be frapped And I wondered tonight, who needs a good frapping. A good, oh, there you go. Connie does, she said. That's great. (laughs) I need one because I know there are times when I can come to pieces rather than coming to peace. And the mercy of God, which is attached to his tender heartedness, his tender compassion, Fraps me, wraps me round so I don't come apart. Now, the reason why I want to end with that is because not only will the empathy, the compassion of God frap you around, but I can frap you around. You can frap me around because we all need each other. Now, do you believe that? Or have we become so independent? We need each other. We are a body. And that, I love the fact that uh, Danny sang that song last, last week. Love needs a body. It needs a body. And we are that body that God wants to work through so that we can actually bring love and compassion and kindness to people. So I hope that's made some sense. I hope that it's been uh, practical to help because I want us to be a house where the sound and we are a wonderful house of love, but I think sometimes we can do better. We can actually empathize more, we can feel more, we can be kind, we can be humble much more. Because by this, all men will know that we are his disciples. And I hope that's just helped you tonight. And I don't know whether you want to, if there's anybody who wants to to uh, just respond to the fact that they're willing to stand up and say, right, I'm gonna connect with your tender compassions on my life for what I am going through and then I'm going to go out of my way to bless those who maybe don't understand, who don't get it, who are not empathising with me, I'm going to bless them and then I'm going to see the miracle, anybody want to stand and we'll just pray together if you need that and if not we'll just go on our way and, and, and uh, shall we do some empathising this week shall we? Thanks for responding Julie thank you Anybody else? This is tough stuff because it it is our life, isn't it? It's what we go through so many times with all sorts of things. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just want to thank you that the God we are coming to know more and more is a very ungodlike. God in the context of your anger or your wrath, but you are a loving, tender-hearted, compassionate father who really does care about us. And those mercies are new every morning. And I just ask for these precious people who are in pain, who need to be frapped about by those cords that will keep them together and stop them falling apart, I ask that that will be their their experience right now. May it be a miracle of your grace that they feel your tender compassion. And I ask, Father, that in the next few days or even in the next few hours, they might have an opportunity to display some compassion to somebody else. And in that, they will know that they have a source and a portion which is supernatural, is not of themselves, but it came from you. And so, Father, I, help, uh, I ask that you'll help us, a house to reach out in kindness, to care about the feelings of others, to weep with those that weep. We wanna rejoice, God, too, but I, I ask that we'll be touched with each other's feelings of infirmities and that we might be understanding, kind, and compassionate So we say thank you again, God, because we know that you're kind and we know that you are going to answer our prayer. And we just pray for everyone in this place tonight that their experience will be one where their heart was touched by a love that they can't explain and that they will know of a certainty that that love is unfailing. It will never run out. It's never going to give up on them. And though they might run, they will never outrun the incredible grace and love of the Father. I just ask it in your name. Amen. 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 We're done. Thank you. Are you coming up?